Hey, I'm Drew. Welcome to Movies and Mocha's Caffeinated Film Talks. This is where we drink coffee and discuss our favorite movies. Each week, one of my friends and I will talk about a different movie. So brew your favorite coffee, relax, and let's get started. Alright, so today we are back with my dear friend Megan. Hey! We are talking about Iron Man 3, but before that, Megan, for our new listeners, or for anyone who doesn't remember from Iron Man, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I am a filmmaker. I work in indie film. I've done some short films. I write, um, working on a few original projects, and I've directed a few short films, and I just love movies and love talking about them. And we talked about Iron Man previously, so it's only right that we talk about Iron Man 3 this time. Yes, it's weird that we're jumping. Right, somebody else got Iron Man 2. One of my (laughs) other friends wanted Iron Man 2, and so she claimed Iron Man 2. But I'm back for Iron Man 3 with more thoughts. Yes, I'm very excited for this talk. Yeah, me too. And to keep us active and aware, we are drinking from our fabulous movie and mocha coffee mugs. Mm -hmm. That the same friend, my friend Brittany, made for us. And she is a legend. We are drinking coffee once again from my favorite coffee shop we are doing pour overs they're locally uh from nashville mm-hmm. and yeah nashville's a great coffee town we got a lot of great coffee shops oh yeah and there's so many original uh, mm-hmm. original coffee things coming out of it like coffee soda oh yeah coffee soda was invented here it's a nashville oh, it really it's a nashville specialty huh. i didn't know that yeah it was uh someone who worked at crema um was you know one of those like summer drink kind of things and Mm -hmm. made it and then he ended up leaving and started his own coffee soda brand called matchless coffee soda oh interesting and that's that's the original recipe um like yeah the very original recipe is the matchless coffee soda oh wow um i'm so glad that they have figured out how to put it in cans (laughs) oh my goodness it has made life amazing so the, these are our three claims to fame then in Nashville, I guess. It's country music, hot chicken, and coffee soda. Yeah. <laughs> Most people don't know what coffee soda is, though. And my family <laughs> up in Ohio call it coffee pop, and it just rubs me wrong every time. <laughs> I'm from the Midwest. I had to be trained out of saying pop. Same. <laughs> Same. From the Midwest, too. Very quickly ended up not saying pop. And... It throws me off when people say pop Because you get now. clowned in the South if you say pop. Oh, you Everybody's get so like, clowned What is pop? pop. <laughs> but, like, even then, like, coffee soda is, like, the, the copyrighted name of it. Oh. Well, not really, but that's that's what it is. It's like... Oh, gotcha. It's like you don't say coffee Coke. Coffee Coke. <laughs> you don't say coffee soda pop. It's just coffee soda. Right. So hearing someone... Like, I, I think only... It just like sounds one, wrong. Oh, it sounded so wrong. <laughs> Anyways... Coffee. All right. It's how we're doing this. We are are already jumping from moment to moment from the caffeine running through us. (laughs) So, Iron Man 3. Yes, Iron Man 3. Directed by the brilliant Shane Black. Mm -hmm. First Iron Man movie not done by Jon Favreau. Sadly, but also well done. Yeah. No, I love Iron Man 3. It turned it from... It's not... Yeah. What I really liked about it was the first two with Jon Favreau was... Iron Man versus the bad guy and very much the comic book Mm -hmm. suits beating the villain Mm -hmm. and what I love that Shane Black did that Jon Favreau didn't which nothing against Jon Favreau if you've listened enough you hear me talk about his praises all the time (laughs) um what Shane Black did that Jon Favreau didn't was he they turned it and made it Tony Stark versus the bad guy right and also Tony Stark versus Tony Stark which is you know not the first time to do that that's pretty much a standard in Iron Man movies but this they did it with the um through the use of PTSD and anxiety in a really really and panic cool attacks way. and oh they man. did it so well so well so so much so that I cannot watch Iron Man 3 anytime I want to because certain ways that he portrays his anxiety attacks have actually ended up being triggers for mine mm. So I have to be really, it's my favorite, it's, Iron Man 3 is my favorite Marvel movie, but I I cannot watch it anytime I mm. want. I have to make sure I'm in yeah. the right headspace. Yeah. Otherwise, and it's mainly the one where he's driving. 
oh, and gets yeah. out of the car. Yeah, and he's against the car. It's like and he can't breathe. It's one of his biggest ones. Yeah, and it's one of his biggest ones on screen. Right. Um. And yeah, that one like, yeah, he can't breathe. He's clutching his chest, mm-hmm. and the hyperventilating. That's all like an actual trigger for myself. Right. And so. I love the movie, but I can't watch it all the time for personal health. Yeah. I uh, One of the reasons I really wanted to do Iron Man 3 and talk about beyond the show to talk about this movie, mm-hmm. um, aside from the fact that obviously I love Iron Man and love all the movies with the character, I also had anxiety and dealt a lot with it. And I think what's interesting is the year that Iron Man 3 came out I was in college and it was the year that the height of my anxiety Mm -hmm. like it was when I first started really having problems with it was having panic attacks was feeling that chest pressure um all the stuff he kind of deals with in the movie it was like the height of my problems with it and that movie came out and I remember just going to see it in theaters and just being like I'm seeing what I'm going through on screen Mm -hmm. and the hero of a superhero movie is dealing with it yeah Like, that was huge when I saw that in theaters. That was, I had already, we talked about this on our Iron Man episode. I'd already connected so much with Mm -hmm. uh, Tony Stark as a character and just loved that character. But, like, that, like, cemented it. Like, suddenly that character was going through something that I was going through at the time. And it was just great to see. I love the way they portray it in that movie. And I love that they openly portray it. And they call it anxiety. And they say he's having an anxiety attack. Mm-hmm. And I, the part that always resonates with me in that movie the most is when Tony is feeling he's having an anxiety attack. And he gets in his suit and he's trying to run diagnostics on his health. And he's like, something must be wrong physically. I must be having a, like, I'm having a heart attack. I have Poison, a bad heart. heart attack. What, yeah. Like what's going on? And uh, Jarvis goes, you, like, based on my calculations or whatever, you, um, you're going through an anxiety attack. And he's like, me? I can't be going through an anxiety attack. And that just, that was so, so much like my own experiences of having most people want to deny it. Right. It's very easy to be like, no, no, I don't have anxiety. I'm fine. That can't can't be what it is. That's not me. Right. So that scene always Mm -hmm. was so powerful for me. I did not deal with anxiety when this movie came out. I was in, I was a freshman in high school i don't know when i think year was it 2013 okay so yes i was a freshman in high school went to watch it i didn't have anxiety at that time but i still remember that was the reason i still that was the reason i walked out of it loving the movie because it made him a person Mm, yeah it made him human yeah instead of just a man in a suit Instead of being a superhero, right. it made him relatable to everyone. Right, because everyone at some point has felt scared. Yeah, even if you even if you have even if you don't have anxiety, you have felt scared before. And right, they are they were not afraid to show it. They showed nightmares. Yeah, you know? the the panic attacks, the panic attacks, the yeah. nightmares. Like he was showing real human emotion. That isn't normally shown by the protagonist right. in a movie, especially a superhero movie. Right. And also the destructive, like, um, uh, how much it was, like, destroying his life and destroying and his, his relationships, relationships. And, like, how, like yeah. just how hard it is to deal with and how, yeah. How hard it is to cope with it because he wasn't dealing with right. it. Right. He was coping with it. Oh, absolutely. And those and are the, two how much very different things. Absolutely. It's... Yeah, and I th- the thing I always appreciated was not just that they showed it, but that they named it. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't – I think a lot of times they'll allude to, like, anxiety or depression or things like that, but they won't ever, like, name it. And in this, it was like, no, you are having an anxiety yeah. attack. This is anxiety. This is – and it wasn't, like – it wasn't stigmatized that, like, right. the he hero was having it. it. Yeah. And he admits – so the first time he denies it. Right. But then it gets to the point when Harley's like, what's wrong? Are you okay? He's like, no, it's an anxiety attack. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a big deal mm-hmm. that not only do they show the denial, the coping, not wanting to deal with it, mm-hmm. but then they also show um, 
they show him acknowledging it mm-hmm. and then and not and so that first time harley's like what's going on mm-hmm. it's like an anxiety attack and then the second time that car one harley's like are you having another anx- panic attack right and so like to the point that it just it's very acknowledged right for even more characters right and uh, we've talked about this just when talking Several about times. anxiety off off this podcast but one of the biggest things with uh working through anxiety and learning how to um uh get through it and uh deal with it is you have to acknowledge it you have to give it a name you have to be like this is what I have and this is what I'm dealing with and let go of the the stigma of it and uh so it shows that that he 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 they name it and then he names it and he accepts it and yeah this this was an important movie for me for a lot of reasons I thought it was great. This is the one. So Iron Man was the one that got me interested in film. Iron Man 3 is the one that got me interested in learning the behind the scenes. Hmm. Uh, because up until that point, like, I always loved watching all the behind the scenes, like, bonus features. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just always drawn to it. But this is the one where I got into like lit actually learning about them right like the whole how they filmed the house blowing up oh yeah i thought it was so cool yeah um like just the way that it was like a it was like a little mini room inside of a room that they put him in and it like actually shook and moved oh i didn't know that mm-hmm. i don't some actually par- some know some moments of it were okay yeah i don't actually know a whole lot about the behind the scenes of Iron Man three, aside from some of the writing with the the villain, but that's yeah, cool. that's that's one of my favorite ones was um like just like how they filmed that. Um, I think this was the last one. I might be wrong. Was this the last one with a physical suit? Like he didn't have as much of a physical suit as he did in um. He didn't wear a physical suit as no, much, but he had but like he had a, a chest piece. Yes. I think this is when they started integrating more of the chess piece and green screen. Gotcha. And I think this was like the merge between the real suit versus fully CGI fully later CGI'd. on. Yes, because I, I don't know what they did for Avengers, but I know I'm pretty sure a lot of that one was CGI'd because Probably. of how much he was. There he, yes, Avengers. I think they also did the chess piece and CGI down. Okay. In the moments that it wasn't fighting because he didn't spend a lot of time in the suit outside of fight scenes in avengers right that is true he doesn't yeah um which is interesting but back to iron man 3 he there is a lot of times where he's just like he's tony stark in the suit mm-hmm. and so i think this was that merge between pieces plus cgi mm-hmm. and they still they still were portraying we I, I mentioned this briefly when we talked about iron man 1 uh i love how clunky they make the suit in the first few movies versus like the really sleek mm-hmm. easy to move in cgi suit later on the nanobot one because he's actually wearing something that's uh, the, right that is really it but they also take time to like show how clunky and yes. a, a, and awkward the suit is when not being yep. used how it's designed to be used yes. like flying and stuff and one, one of my favorite little just like little details is when he's trying to walk down the steps with the battery, and it's just like <laughs> yeah, he's just like clunking yeah. down, and it always Waddling like a penguin. Yes, it always reminds me of I I grew up skiing, and when you try and s- <laughs> walk in ski boots without skis on, it's the most awkward thing ever because they're not designed for that, and it just he looks like he's walking around in ski boots. It's That's so amazing. funny. That is amazing. Can we talk about the beginning? Nineteen ninety nine, Happy Hogan. <laughs> yes like i love happy hogan there's not much to say about it no I just he's want just to great i just want to acknowledge it <laughs> he's fantastic the hair the the, the, the diving hair on him <laughs> the hair flip just the <laughs> happy hogan in this whole movie is like this he started to get more ro- of a role in two and then this movie i think is where he really became a fun character um, yeah. where he he becomes the security uh, head of security but he can't, he can't use he the moves. technology he can't <laughs> he, he just keeps asking everyone for a badge and he's great in this movie i, I love, love happy yes 
Yeah, I, yeah. There wasn't much I wanted to talk about about the whole flashback scene. <laughs> just the, the hair we had to. Acknowledge I just wanted the hair. to acknowledge the <laughs> 1999 Happy Hogan look. Yes, it's it's a very it's, good one. It's amazing. Um. Yeah. Okay. So back to the rest of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> we could go in chronological order. What's the next part? <laughs> uh, yeah, we could. We totally could. Um. Um. I, I love the little Wind Chung Easter egg. The what one? Wind Chung Easter egg at the beginning. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I don't remember what it's called because I didn't study Wing Chun. I studied a different. I did. I studied. So I, I studied martial arts before I moved to Nashville. Okay. And um, but I I styled it. I studied a different style, so I don't know the actual term. But so flashback scene happens, and Tony's still narrating, and it moves to he's implanting the 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 um sensors in his skin mm-hmm. for the um. Mark 49? I think. 42? Mark yeah. 42. It's Mark 42. <laughs> um, he's entering the little sensors in his arm, mm-hmm. and then he gets up from it to go to the test pad, and he walks past, and he hits that little wooden thing. Oh, yeah. So I don't... Well, do you know Robert does karate? He does Wing Chun. He does martial arts. That's what I love yeah. about it. So but yes, yeah, so that... I know he mas- I know yeah. he studies it, and so... Even though I didn't do Wen Chung, being a martial artist myself, I loved that little Easter yeah. egg. And um, it probably was just him doing it. Like Yes. Yeah. This is the first movie that I feel like he truly settled into the role. Hmm. He's the most comfortable with. I feel like he truly settled into the character of Tony Stark in this movie. Yeah. By incorporating those little things like that. Yeah. Um, fun. He... So, fun fact I noticed while it's on my head. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of that, settling into the role, we are jumping all the way to the very end of the movie <laughs> for a moment. But the very end, he's you know he's gone through the personal journey, and he's back at the blown-up site of his house, and he tosses the arc reactor in, picks up the screwdriver, and drives away with dummy. And he's doing that whole another monologue, and he's like, you know, no matter what, I am Iron Man. I think... So what I loved about that is Iron Man 3 is the staple for showing he has changed. Hmm. Iron Man 1 and 2 is the journey of him actually becoming Tony Stark and Mm -hmm. becoming the superhero of Tony Stark. I think Iron Man 3 is that staple of he has finished that journey of becoming the superhero Tony Stark. And from then on, you see that consistently. And... (laughs) It's such a little detail. It took me forever to pick up on it. And I I want to believe it was intentional. His hairstyle is the same from Iron Man 3 for the rest of the films. Ooh. I don't know if it is, but it is. That, that is. No, I, mean, I, I don't know it, if it's intentional. Oh, but, yeah. I was um, going to say, because once I caught it, I, was, I watched and I would look and it's the same hairstyle. Because he changed hairstyle. You know, he had... Um, his hairstyle in one, he had the floofy hair in mm-hmm. Iron Man 2. He had more of like the gelled public persona look in, in Avengers. Mm-hmm. And then in this one, he just has that little, I don't even know, the little shoop. <laughs> I, yeah, I you understand what, I mean. what shoop means. Yes. I gotcha. I, I did a hand motion with it that <laughs> no one else can Listeners see. Listeners cannot that But it's really it, simple. Just go look at a picture. Yeah. Um, but that is the staple look. That's the hmm. staple hairstyle for the rest of the films. Hmm. And I think, like, and I feel like that has to be somewhat intentional. Because the his whole physical persona doesn't feel forced after Iron Man 3. Hmm. Not saying that it felt forced at the be- in, the, in Iron Man, Iron Man 2, or the Avengers, but it was definitely one of those where he hasn't fully settled yet. And I think part of that is the idea of the character development of there has been a line drawn this is who he is this is who i have figured it out this is who i am hmm. no That's matter what way to look at it. the suits are gone the arc reactor is out but i tony stark will always be iron man and i feel like that marked a line yeah. for it so yeah interesting mm-hmm. also fun fact that same scene at the very end mm-hmm. this is what i was texting you about the little detail. And I know this is not a brand new detail, but I just learned about it. Mm-hmm. 
That whole scene is CGI'd. It's really? not Robert Downey Jr. Wait, what? <laughs> I what? <laughs> no. No. So he broke his ankle during one of the action scenes. And I can't. I wish I knew which one it was. It's either the big battle at the end with Killian. Mm-hmm. Or I think it is when the house blows up. I think it's huh. one of those two. He broke his ankle. He was out for six weeks. And it was the end of filming. And that was, like, one of the last scenes they needed to film. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't have been healed in time to walk around on his ankle. So they took a body double and green screened and CGI'd everything. Wow. Yeah. I never picked up on that. That's really is, well done. It is the best CGI work in the whole series like my gosh not just in the series that i have ever seen yeah i did not pick up on that yeah huh it's so crazy and it's like one of my favorite scenes because it is that like line in the sand i have figured it out character development moments and it's not even him right huh it blew my mind i learned about that last week i am iron man except you're not (laughs) (laughs) except right here in this moment i am not driving this car also can we talk about the e-tron the the what the e-tron it's the car oh yeah i don't know cars so i was I like i don't know car, what that is i am not a car person <laughs> but his car is cool i uh, mean his cars are always cool they are it's an audi i love yeah because they've had a deal with audi since yes. clearly the first iron man since movie. The first one. but um just look up the audi e-trons they are majestic cars <laughs> oh my goodness i'm yes no i'm just gonna show you one now this is my <laughs> this is my dream car is this one right here. Look at that beauty. I, to be honest, don't have much opinion on cars. I'm uh, just kind of like, cool. <laughs> normally, He I does don't have either. nice, like, cool, cool cars. Or sometimes he has really, like, crazy looking sports cars. I, I am not a car person. <laughs> but I know how to, uh, what's the word? Appreciate? I, yes. <laughs> I am not a car person, but I know how to appreciate a good car. <laughs> and that e-tron is a very good car. <laughs> so that was one <laughs> in Endgame. That was one of my favorite moments. When he pulls up in the car and then he has to back up. It's yes. so funny. No, it's not so even petty. That. Not even that. Oh. It <laughs> I annoyed my friend who went with me so much because that whole time i'm like look at the car look at the car oh my gosh look at the car that is oh my gosh look at the car look at the car look at the car the whole time i that whole scene i was focused on the car not the people oh that's funny like the whole time i'm like the second i heard the car and like before we saw it and then it's like driving i'm like oh that's a beauty oh that's a car oh and then it pulls up and the camera angle is just full on full on for the car I'm like, oh. <laughs> so I didn't bring this up in uh, when we talked about Iron Man 1 because um, we didn't get on the topic of cars. But I, I, I might be wrong on this, but I think I remember hearing, um, maybe it was on the, the unofficial director's commentary, where I'm pretty sure John said something about how, like, they got a deal with Audi and they got all these cars from them and then they destroyed a few of them for, like, the final battle scene. And everybody was like, no, not the cars. But they like apparently like trashed like a bunch of cars, and then I think they didn't. It didn't even make it into the final cut or something, something like this. Yeah, that's fair. I, I well, might, look at the car I might that be they destroyed in, in the in the that. workshop. The car he landed on. Maybe that's the part oh. he was talking about where they just <laughs> they destroyed hurt. this car. It hurt. I saw it. I'm like, oh no. And it, I think he was talking about how like it, it, it they like cost a lot of money to get these cars, and well, they yeah. just like destroyed one. <laughs> Oh, man. And they did not have the budget for that at that point. Like, (laughs) it's probably why it didn't get put in the film. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, But I don't, there's a lot to talk about. So I'm trying to think of where to start aside from cars. (laughs) Yeah, the car at the Um, end. All uh, of his cars. The car he had at the hospital when he was visiting Happy, that's a good one, too. (laughs) I would prefer silver over red. I'd prefer black over anything, but the silver definitely over the red. Sorry, continue. <laughs> the the silence for me is not. It's just. It's. I have nothing she's to just, contribute. No, she's just no car opinions. At me. No she's car just opinions here. Me. Um, uh, 
what's a good place to start? Yeah, you kind of mentioned uh, just how not only does this movie have him like deal with anxiety and like PTSD, which side note about that, um, I'm pretty sure Robert was the one who brought that up because yes. he he wanted after Avengers, he was like it's he has to like still he would be, be bothered by this. He'd have to be right. Affected. Yeah, I think I think we maybe saw the same interview. Probably did. I think wasn't it like a Comic Con? I think so, and yeah. I I I don't remember all the details. I don't remember the source, but I do remember him talking about like he's like it would be common sense for him to be affected, right? Which it, it would it would be unrealistic if he wasn't affected, right? Which thank God they did that yes. because it, exactly right, like you would have been like, how do you get out of this traumatic experience and you're fine? Can like I he say, becomes unrelatable if that happens. Can I say I think that's why I'm an Iron Man fan more than a Captain America? Fan. Yes, I would. I, I I would agree with that because. As much as I'm not a Captain America fan, uh, in the movies, let's say that he. I'll agree with that. I liked him in the in Captain America: The First Avenger. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, this is Captain America. Mm-hmm. He redeemed himself in Endgame, but any any of the movies between that, I am not a fan. Uh, I am Team Iron Man all the way. Yeah. But they- I think part of that is because they didn't give any time no they they to really the concept of a guy who went who sh- died massive in ptsd II, who should have ptsd from the war alone right plus getting out of time 70 like, years yeah yeah like there's so, and and you just throw him right back into a war right right nothing is they the same like, they didn't do his mental health justice they did not and, and like how we talked about um like how i mentioned what's so great about iron man 3 is that it actually names mm-hmm. like his mental health issues and it's like, this is what he has. Mm-hmm. This is what he's dealing with. The thing they did with Cap is that there is parts that you can draw conclusions. They alluded to it in they Avengers. They allude to it. That be the first time right. he's seen in Avengers, he's, you know, up at night because he can't sleep. And he's being the right. flashback. And you hear, you have the flashbacks to the movie, to the f- to World War Two. Right. But that's it. But they but there that's was it. so much. They should have given so much more mm-hmm. time to that because that, it, it should have affected him more than it did. It should have affected him like it affected Tony. Mm-hmm. Should yeah. have affected him more. Absolutely. Well, I don't know about that. Tony almost died. <laughs> They're all messed up. <laughs> They're all messed up. It's like they've a all been through a lot. It's like a prereq to being a superhero. It really is, honestly. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So that's just such a such a great thing that mm-hmm. Robert did, which was yep. Be like, we need to focus on this issue. Like, the, we can't just like gloss over it. And yeah. he's fine because uh, yeah, because he becomes re- unrelatable. You can't relate to someone who goes through that experience and walks out perfectly normal right. like that's not realistic but um i also want to talk about uh, you talked mentioned in the beginning um how this movie takes like his suit away and like mm-hmm. and his suit like literally is representing his coping mechanisms mm-hmm. and like, it's his armor he yeah. literally built an armor to protect himself it is the physical manifestation of everyone of the mask that everyone puts up yep it is that's what it represents. It's a metaphor for the mask that everyone puts up to hide their weaknesses from people. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, Shane Black says, nope, and just takes it away. Yep. And, yeah, it's so great. Like, uh, Tony, he, he's always been the, the uh, one of the great things about his character has been the, the just symbolism of a man who builds himself mm-hmm. a indestructible suit of armor, but his weakness is his heart. And, like, his emotions and his issues and all this stuff. And this m- movie literally stripped him of that, Im- that like you said, that armor. L- literally and both in, like, a symbolic sense of, like, having to actually, like, approach his PTSD and his anxiety and, like, work through it and stuff. Um, yeah, it's just, I, I, I didn't <laughs> don't know where my thoughts were going with that, but it was just great. Yeah, I think it's amazing, and I think I'm really glad that's what Shane Black did. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of Shane Black, this is not the first film that he's worked with Robert Downey Jr. with before. No, and I thought it's also not the first Iron Man film. He he did come in to right. do some rewrites for I know one. I can't remember if he, I think he came in for two too. Yeah, he was not uh, credited, but but also kiss ba- kiss wow, kiss, bang, bang. kiss kiss bang kiss kiss bang bang mouthful of a it title. It is a film that I don't recommend. But it's a good movie. <laughs> and that's it's an very, interesting movie. It's very contradictory, that statement I just made. 
But it's because I I don't recommend it because most of the people I talk to don't want R-rated movies. Mm. Um, if you're okay with R-rated movies for language and other reasons, then go ahead and watch it. It's it's a very very much the language. It's it's a film I can never quite figure out if I love it or if I don't like it. It's a weird one. It's a weird movie. It's a very interesting movie, but I think you could Shane Black has such a like unique voice and just style yes. and his movies are always very very Shane Black. And one of those uh, proof of that is one of his signatures is a, the movies are around Christmas time. They are. Mm-hmm. Oh. There has never never been. Like realizing that there has never been another Marvel movie that's been around Christmas time. That's so true. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was around Christmas time. Interesting. Interesting. Well, aside from the (laughs) Christmas, the Christmas movie thing, he 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 just. It's it is a great holiday movie. It's right up there with Die Hard. Oh, I said it's a very odd movie. Oh, it's a very odd movie. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a very odd movie. movie. I was thinking um, Christmas still. Yeah, yeah. I think Iron Man three is really interesting in that it does have such a unique style. It's not. Co- I don't feel like it's quite as Shane Blackie as like other movies of his. If that makes sense, it's still kind of got the Marvel. Oh, it's very much feel Marvel. to it for sure. It's, it's but the Marvel version of a Shane Black. Yes, film. yes, yes, and it, it's it's got a fun new vibe to it that's like different than the ones that came before it there is a scene that i wish they kept in oh i think i know what okay you you explain i think i know what one you're gonna say and i agree ej what's that one <laughs> so it's a deleted scene you can find um it's harley's bully yes yes okay yeah yes there's multiple parts of it and I really wish they kept it in because, A, it makes that one panic attack make so much more sense because they totally just cut it out. Mm-hmm. And it's so obvious that they just cut it. When they're sitting at the blast site in town, Tony has his panic attack and he rushes off out into the snow by the street and he's there. And then it just randomly cuts to Harley being like, what was that? There's a whole scene in between the time he runs away back towards the street and Harley asking that. And it's Tony is on the ground, literally like rolling around in a panic attack, showing a much larger oh, reaction of a I panic attack. I don't know attack. if I know this one, actually. Yeah. I think I'm thinking of a different one. Well, I'm getting to probably the part you saw. Showing a much larger pr- portion of a panic attack when Harley's bully, EJ, rides through on, and his gangs ride through on an ATV, on ATVs. And they are like, you know, being bullies. They're making fun of Harley, making fun of Tony. And then they drive away, um blowing harley and tony fools like just snow on them just throwing snow on them from their cars then later on after the fight with um i don't know their names with the extremist people yeah which i want to get back to that <laughs> because it was so cool but they're it's they're at the water tower and um ej ends up riding by and gets caught in it mm. and mm-hmm. They re they kind of redid the scene, but the water tower comes down, and EJ gets is stuck in the fence, and ends up like drowning, and so Harley and Tony rush over, and you know are doing CPR trying to save him. Tony ends up taking his arc reactor out and shocking EJ, mm. and he has to do it like two or three times, and then EJ starts to breathe, but uh, Tony's had it out long enough that he like he ends up pa- like he ends up almost dying himself and harley being the brave little kid that he is oh, i love harley had to put it back in and he don't he almost died that's yeah that's the one i've seen yeah i didn't see the first one but um it's in like two segments and they completely took that it's whole such thing a, it's out. a great moment i know i wish it's such a bonding they moment between them. It. but they referenced it when harley's like i saved your life oh yeah afterwards and tony's like don't be a schmuck that's so true. I never did think about I that was doesn't like, make any sense. I was like, what? He saved his life? He threw a snowball. That is, here's the thing. I think I always just accepted it as being like a thing a 10-year-old would, would yes. say. That too. Over-exaggerating. But it makes more sense when you know that deleted scene. That does make more sense. 
And that's a great moment showing like how selfless Tony is. Even when he's like struggling through all this anxiety, he's mm-hmm. still like, I'm going to save people. I'm going to save this kid. Yeah. That even though it's a bully and a twerp, he doesn't deserve to die. Right. Especially for something that Tony sees as his fault. Yeah. Like he's the reason extremists is there. Right. Um. Yeah. I, th- I think it's a great moment and I'm really bummed that they had to cut it out. Yeah, it is. It was a great moment. So there's that. Should we go to the extremist people since you wanted to talk about them? I just left it at fight scene. Yeah, no, this the extremist people are really cool. Uh, it's totally different than the comics, but yes. it, it's a, it's a interesting. They just it, they were fun the way they did the fight scenes, and I really love um, just him. Like, okay, so first off, the scene he's he's Tony's still in handcuffs. He's hiding behind the truck, and there's a guy kneeling down, and he's like, "Pretty crazy stuff, yeah." And the guy's just like, mm-hmm. And then Tony's like, watch this. And just jumps yes. through the window. Like, that is amazing. It's a great part. Oh, I love it so much. I also love... Um, that guy... Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. No, go um, for it. I don't remember his name, but that guy shows up again. Oh. He's the guy who plays the security guard in Captain Marvel. The security guard in the car when she first blast through blockbuster oh yeah he's an actual like marvel staff person oh gotcha. i don't remember his role but he just gets but little cameos he gets little cameos oh, that's like fun that. i love that um yeah i thought that was that's super cute so funny i i love the fight scenes that like like we talked about he's out of his suit the whole time and so it really is just like him being brilliant it's his mind at it's work. his mind which oh like of course his it. suit represents how smart he is and he, he was had the brilliance to yes. create it but like it's so fun to see him like solving problems with like household items from home depot uh-huh. and like um no suit and like drinking it, energy drinks yes so going back to that one scene in rose hill uh i loved it because they also took away his hands he's handcuffed most of that fight after oh, he jumps yeah. through the window I thought it was so cool. I just, I liked the choreography of it so much. Mm-hmm. There's uh, another moment I really like in, a, in a, uh, one of the fight scenes where he tries to call the suit to him and only one glove and one uh, oh shoe appear. I love and it. like, it's such a fun contrast from like the first Iron Man where he was like struggling to fly uh-huh. to being able to like fly with fly one. with one boot and one like glove. Like yeah. it just, it shows. Because the glove is to just balance him. Right. The boot has the power. Right. And it just shows like how comfortable he is as Iron Man at this point. Again, he has settled into the character. Right. But, like, also just, like, Tony as a character yes. has, like, grown really comfortable being Iron Man. Well, He's more also, comfortable being Iron Man than being Tony, which is part of the problem. Right. And that's and that's also what I meant. Like, that's also, you know, Robert has settled into the character. But Tony has also settled into, quote, unquote, superhero Tony Stark. Right. Versus playboy Tony Stark. Right. Um, and it's, like, easier for him to, like, I, oh, I can run around, like, getting yeah. bad guys all day. But, like, it's the hard part now is dealing with what's inside me yes and my human side yes but even that moment where he beats all the bad guys and the one guy runs in and he just has the gun and the repulsor and the guy's like i'm done people are crazy i don't even want to work here anymore i'm like that is one of the best lines of the show that is someone real (laughs) honestly i'd be out at that point i'd be like you're not paying me enough these are crazy people i'm i'm leaving here one of my other favorite lines speaking of just like a real reaction to something is when um first of all james rhodes is a amazing character love roadie so much and um don cheadle don cheadle playing him is fantastic and uh when he first of all when he jumps out of the suit just ready to go great moment but then the moment when the dude breathes fire it's like and roadie's response is you breathe fire oh okay yeah (laughs) we're doing that (laughs) it's like of course, that would be your response to someone blowing, breathing fire. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we could do this. Oh, also, let's talk about Pepper taking out the bad guy. Yes. Which, if you look back on oh, it, I Pepper it. has taken out every main villain in every Iron Man movie. Mm-hmm. She was the one to press the button to the get Stain in the yep. first one. She legally takes out Justin Hammer, Boom. like, with that the use of, so, like, cops. So that is one of my favorite scenes. 
And oh. then in this one, she literally gets literally to take out, out Killian, oh, which is so just good. beautiful and amazing. And I think that was also a suggestion from Robert Downey Jr. coming through with all Go. the best ideas. Um, it's so good. Like, she just, I love Pepper Potts. Oh, gosh, we are already running out of time. I know. <laughs> but yeah, when she takes him out, she, oh, she's, she's, it's just good. And he's always so in awe of her. Oh, yeah. He's just like, you're amazing. <laughs> Yes, that's what makes me love that scene where he thinks she died. Yeah. It is such a powerful scene. The sheer anguish on Mm -hmm. his face. Mm -hmm. It's like one of the most powerful scenes of the whole movie. Mm -hmm. Like, he's trying so hard. It's like, just, I almost got you. Just let go. Let go. And then its greatest fear comes to life. Yeah. He broke his promise. Yeah. He didn't catch her. Yeah. He couldn't save her. And that that just anguish, and which leads to this amazing fight, because mm-hmm. he is just done. Yeah, he, you can see it. It's it's that same moment in Iron Man one, when Yinsen is like, when Tony's just done, he's given up. He's like, I'm gonna be mm-hmm. dead within a week anyway. What's it matter? And Yinsen's like, it's a really important week for you. Yeah. You can see that that moment in his eyes is when he became Iron Man. And it's that same resolution is in his eyes in this moment. He's mm-hmm. like, I have nothing left. Yeah. I lost the one person. I have nothing left. You're going to die. Yeah. Because it's your fault. Yeah. And, and then she comes back. Oh, well, even before that, and Killian's like, I got you now. You're coming at me. You can have that confidence. He has that confidence work on his face. And then just the greatest is so cool. <laughs> just how they took him in and out of the suits. And how he went through and was talking to all of them and just yeah, it was is so well coordinated and choreographed. Mm-hmm. It's a it is a fun fight scene. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and the track is good. And too. I love that uh, it, it's one with like all three of them. Mm-hmm. Like Rhodey's there, Pepper helps out at the end. Tony's running around doing it. It's just it's fun yes. to see all three of them working together. Yes. Um, just like in Iron Man two at the end. The yes. Fight. But this time, like Pepper's literally in the fight. <laughs> But and Rhodey was kind of in the fight. Yeah, he didn't get a suit, no, but <laughs> that was a great moment. He's like, "Okay, give me one. I'm ready." And he's so excited. And I then Tony's like, "No, you don't get one. Yeah, <laughs> you got to get yours." Yeah. <laughs> the oh, whole good. that whole gun scene with them when they first infiltrate. Yeah. And he's like, "I'm out of bullets. Give me a gun. I don't have it for the- like, just their bickering. <laughs> their is banter is so good. Just and like they're great." And then that moment where he pops up, he's like, okay, I'm going to see. And then he pops up, and then he's back, and he's like, what did you see? Nothing else, too fast. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. wasn't written. That was just Oh, no. I'm sure every stupid. interaction between them was uh, basically And then shooting improv. the light out. Yes. So congratulations. Good. You shot. What is it? Like, congratulations, you shot a light. That was really far away. It's really hard. I bet you can't do it. <laughs> he just turns a dozen one shot. Yeah. And then, he just, smirk, and then he just smirks at him. Yeah. I, I love that. They don't get that very often, but it shows how deep of a relationship the characters have. Oh, yeah. I and think, I loved it so much. Like, we talked about Pepper and Tony's relationship and how it, it mm-hmm. evolves over the movies. And it's always so good. But, like, Rhodey and Tony's is so good. Tony mm-hmm. and Happy's. Like, the whole Iron, like, Iron mm-hmm. Fam squad, like, they're they, so tight. And I love yes, it. Yes. And they just, their relationships are always so good throughout the whole, mm-hmm. whole series. Did you know... Pepper and Rhodey are the only people who get to hand Tony things. Yeah, I've noticed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Or, and happy too. And happy. The three of them. And I feel like that speaks so much about his level of trust for them versus yeah. everyone else. Yeah. Oh, Tony also only lets happy drive him if Peter is in the car. Yeah, because usually he wants to like drive, mm-hmm. but. He only has happy drive if he has no, Peter you know, in the car. Uh, the, the relationships that I uh, really wish we had gotten to see in the MCU. All of them. R- all of them. Rhodey and Peter and yep. Pepper and Peter. I <laughs> like, know. Uh, what I love is they allude to it in one line in Endgame when Peter has the gauntlet and Pepper in the rescue suit's like, I got you, kid. Yeah. Like I, that, I, I just I like wish I could see them interact more. Because you know they would have. Oh, yeah. You know they would have. With how close they all are to yeah. Tony. And no, I just feel like it was, yeah, I just liked in that moment and, and the fact in Far From Home, she donates 
and helps them out. Yeah. Off screen. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's all off screen stuff, which they're brilliant. There it needs to be it more. But aggravates me because I want to see it. Yeah. But I think it's so brilliant that they keep all of it off screen. Yeah. I just <laughs> I want to see at least him interact with Rhodey, but who I knows know. if that'll happen anywhere. But it won't because Don Cheadle's contract so <sighs> his contract ended with Endgame. I I knew that was probably the case, but uh, no more Rhodey. Oh, he has man. doesn't have a lot of a reason left. No, I know to be there. I know. Okay, we do need to talk real quick about um, Harley. Speaking yes. of other like relationships with Tony, of um, just Tony adopting everyone. I I I don't know who figured it. Who figured it out? Maybe Shane Black because he wrote it, I guess. Um, but when they figured out that they needed to just start pairing Tony with kids, yeah. And putting him in this like awkward mentor role, yeah, like the brilliance, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. He's so, it's so fun to watch him interact with kids yeah. and just like doing this weird kind of like mentoring, but like still himself mm-hmm. and like um, where he feels uncomfortable, but yeah. he's secretly great at it. Yeah, and you see him get better at it because like he starts with Harley and he's like and he's horrible. pretty awkward. And horrible. He's horrible. He calls him a <laughs> schmuck. Yeah, leaves him. Also, Harley is too much like him. Like when Harley oh, like yeah. was like trying to do the puppy dog eyes, and Tony's yeah. like, "I know you're playing me because <laughs> I would do the same thing." The whole, I'm cool. I bet you know why we're connected. Yeah, it's so perfect. They're great. They, their chemistry was really fun. It, it, it's again, there's just so many good relationships, mm-hmm. and they don't have time to keep dedicating to all of them but like you just wish that harley could have like come back for more interactions and i'm so glad they brought him back in endgame but i'm so disappointed that's so all he got right exactly so because it was so good like i just i do mm-hmm. like to imagine that meant that they stayed close yes um but it's such a great relationship they're just they play off each other really it's well the they're really fun and it's just fun to see tony it's the beginning, with a kid it's the beginning of the storyline of Tony Stark adopts everyone he sees. Yes, and then leading to Tony Stark finally gets to a place where he wants to be a father. Yes. Yeah. Which is a great journey to see. It is. It's adorable. And the kid, uh, Ty, Ty, Ty Simpkins? Yes. Yeah, he does a great job. He's, he's a cute little yes. kid in that. He does a wonderful he's job. He's a kid that's, he, he's in all the horror movies. Oh, I didn't know. I the only other thing I'd seen him in was um, Jurassic World. Yes, he did good in that one. Yeah, too. yeah, he's been. He's but that was after Iron Man three. Yeah, he was in all the Insidious. Oh, the ones I will never watch. That's why. Oh yeah, I would never <laughs> watch them. But he was in all the Insidious movies. Yeah, he does a great job. Hangman, Insidious, Extracted. He does all. The, he plays the yeah. He plays the kid in all the horror movies. He's good at it, but. So this was a completely different role then for him because very much very so. more comedic. But he he's so cute. More of a child. Movie. He does a great job. He's more of a child. Yeah, he one. really is. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, I don't know how he was in those movies because I will not watch horror movies. <laughs> right. Right. I enjoy the little amount of sleep that I already have. <laughs> not gonna watch a horror movie to make less sleep. Um. Yeah, I thought he was great. Yeah. So, I wish they had gotten more time, but... Yeah. Oh, well. There are too many great relationships, and there's just not enough movies to be able to include all of them. Can we talk about the soundtrack? (laughs) Yes. Please. Brian Tyler is a genius. He is one of my favorite composers. Evidence of I have his work tattooed on my arm. Um, It's just so good. Like... I don't know. It's just good. <laughs> like it's. I so don't. I don't remember this one as well as I remember. Uh, like I have s- tracks from the original soundtrack on my uh, phone back when mm-hmm. before you know Spotify and all that. I had it, but um, I was gonna say I- iPod, and then I realized how outdated of a wow. statement that was. Wow, that's really outdated. <laughs> But I did. I had it on my iPod when I had an iPod. But um, but Brian Tyler composed I a lot of them. He composed the he composed the original. Hand, no, he composed a handful of Marvel movies. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't remember Iron Man 3's soundtrack that well. Um, I will play it for you afterwards. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure that is copyright. <laughs> yes. Yes. Probably. Um, but he did. IMDb is my friend. 
he did Thor the Dark World, mm. Iron Man 3, Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, that's all from Marvel, but he also okay. did the Now You See Me and Now You See Me 2 soundtracks. Okay. He did Charlie's Angels. He did Crazy Rich Agents. Um, Escape Room, which I still haven't seen and I'm not going to. <laughs> um, most of the Fast and Furious soundtracks. Expendable soundtracks. Um, uh, uh, words. Transformers. Sorry. That's the word I was looking for. Transformers. Rambo. A lot of action movies, sounds like. He is the coolest person ever. <laughs> he composed for the F1 races. He composed an album for the F1 races. And every year when they're in LA, when they're in California or whatever, he does a live orchestral performance. He conducts a live orchestral performance to the F1 races. Those Italian sports cars. Oh, okay. <laughs> of course it's another car thing um, that I don't know about. <laughs> like the one that they go to in Iron Man 2. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, wow. That's cool. Right. Like a live... or That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, but he's a... Com- what composer gets to do that? Right. No, like, that's that cool. that is so cool. <laughs> he's such a cool dude. And, and, and like, he's just... He's not what you think of when you think of a composer oh, yeah like when it com- when you think about a composer you think of like mozart right you know you think of an old guy sitting at a piano this is brian tyler oh yeah he's just so, he's just cool he plays every instrument under the sun he's just cool guy he's just so cool <laughs> i want to meet him i would i would die if i got to meet brian tyler <laughs> yeah i think uh one thing I just feel like we need to mention, at least, because we totally really didn't even talk about it. Um, the villain. We probably should. Yeah, because it was it was an interesting choice to do the fake out villain, but which I love. I loved it because it shows who the true villain is, and it's the media, the person who has the money to control the media, which is <coughs> really relevant. Honestly, and um, like. The original Mandarin is, it's such a racist, racist, if I can talk, racist stereotype. Like, it's it's a hard character to take and try and, like, handle well. And I think they did it. I, I like the way they did it. Like, I think it's interesting to be like. Him. Exactly. And the whole thing is, of course, everyone's scared of him. Like, it's like yeah. the whole, like, yeah, the media makes him out to be this villain and it's scary. And no, mm-hmm. no. Like, the the other and like um whereas it's like actually it's the rich white guy yeah yeah it was an interesting way to do it but i mean and then ben kingsley like (laughs) let's just be honest he's He's great great. it it is really it is an unexpected twist it it was an interesting way to do it Mm -hmm. i don't really have more to say about it to be honest but i I just thought we needed to talk about it yeah we did definitely needed to acknowledge it like obviously you knew right away the first time you see Killian, that he's going to be a big character in this. And then you you recognize it when Maya comes and says, I think my boss is working mm-hmm. for the Mandarin. But even oh, then... I do have another thing to say. But we, yes, we keep going. We do need to talk about Maya. Uh, that's what I was going to mention. But even then, we, she doesn't say who... No, wait. Yeah. And then in that same conversation, she's telling Pepper, like, I think my boss works for the Mandarin. Well, who's your boss? Aldrich Killian. Like, that's when you realize, okay, that's the important part he plays. Right, but then it's like, oh, actually, no. Yeah. He's the one in charge of everything. Yeah. I like, I just also think it's interesting that it's just an entitled guy who thought he was owed something, and then he didn't get it, right. and now he's on this, like, <laughs> like yeah. revenge plot? Like, I, I don't fully that understand is, Kill- that Killian's is, motivations. That but is the backstory of most of the villains that have a beef with Tony Stark. Honestly. They feel like they were entitled. All of them. Yeah. Actually, every single villain of Tony Stark feels like they were owed something that they didn't get. Yeah. Poor Spider-Man. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, Mysterio. <laughs> I was like. And Tombs. 
Yeah. Both of and them. And tubes. Both of them. Poor Spider-Man. It is starting to get to be almost like a easy villain to write. They're just like, ah, has I a beef with say, Tony Stark. <laughs> I will say that I was not expecting that in Far From Home. The twist that they brought all those people in, that they were all affected by Tony, was kind of a shock. Yeah. That was a good twist. But at the same time, you have Obadiah Stane. You have Hammer and the Russian guy from Iron Man 2. Yes, literally all Vanko. of them. You have Killian. You <laughs> have all of them are freaking just... Ultron. Yeah. Thought he, like, oh, Tony Stark did this to me. <laughs> what did he do? I, I will say. Tubes, and then you have Killian. And it all gets a little tired for me by the time you get to Far From Home. I was kind of like, can we get a new villain motivation I was like, like now you're milking it right right really but, but at the same time that was the movie that everyone started to realize how much they'd been milking it yeah yeah because it was at that it point was you the were like biggest reveal oh come on <laughs> it was the biggest reveal even yeah. tombs like it was it was tony stark but it was also they made it where it was tony stark but it was also the avengers in general right but it was still tony stark right it wasn't until they got so far from home when it was like, this dude legit just hates Tony Stark. And then you kind of start to realize, like, every villain has just hated Tony Stark. Yeah, it's always for dumb reasons. like <laughs> Right, like the scientist just jealousy. Guy, the scientist guy? Yeah. Obadiah Stane yelled at him, so now he has a beef against but Tony Stark. But that's exactly Stark. what I thought. I was like, why not be mad at Obadiah Stane? Well, Obi's dead. So I know, so I guess I got to be mad at Tony now. But Tony's dead. <laughs> why are you still mad? <laughs> Get over it. It's taking it out on this teenager because, like they're oh not grown goodness. adults <laughs> <laughs> he hit a teenager with a train in spider-man yeah he did like that would <laughs> because someone. he hates tony stark <laughs> everybody's got a beef with tony stark this is why it is the tony stark cinematic universe because like nearly everything it revolves is. around it him it really is it wasn't avengers 4 it was iron man 15 <laughs> it really was okay uh, I think, Maya? Oh, yeah, Maya. Um, so apparently, I can't remember where I read about this, but apparently Maya was originally going to be the original, the main villain, which makes really? sense because she was the one who developed Extremis. Yeah. And I guess apparently they didn't want a female villain because they thought a male villain would sell better. Well, that's fair because remember, up until this point, Marvel was what's the sexist. Word? <laughs> yes, I was gonna. S- what's the what's the misogynistic? Misogynistic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, they definitely were. There, yeah. I mean, there was. They waited way too long to have a movie with a female lead. <sighs> yeah. Even though Pepper had been a female lead the entire time, right? Because she like, is a powerhouse woman. Yes. No, Pepper. They always did really well. And they had some good characters, but like, yeah, no, they certainly, they made a lot of, for Gwyneth Gwyneth Paltrow, but they definitely, I mean, the reason like Black Widow never got a movie, they like kept putting up, they said they were going to do Captain Marvel and then they kept putting it off. And then apparently they, it took until Ragnarok for them. Well, I guess Age of Ultron, but Wanda wasn't the main villain, Mm -mm. but it took until Ragnarok to have like a main female Mm -hmm. villain. And I just, I wish we got the version with Maya as the villain. I almost can't see Maya as a villain. I think it's interesting, though. I think... Um, I don't see her as a villain. I, see, I could see her not turning on Killian. I could see her being his partner. Yeah. He, but okay, I so could not see her being the standalone villain. What I think could be really, really cool with Maya um, is Killian... Like, we just kind of commented on it. Killian's whole motivation is just, like, I guess I'm mad at Tony Stark for, like, not wanting to meet with me one time when I, like, tried, like, whatever. When he was drunk. Right. Like, come on. At a party. Maya's interesting because I think Maya would have been a better foil to Tony. Like, I can picture Maya being the person. She has that little speech about how we create something to do good. And then in the pursuit of trying to, like. Yes do that thing we let our morals slip i can't really remember the words she used but she basically tells pepper that and pepper responds with well look at stark industries stark industries used to make weapons Weapons. that hurt people and i think maya could have been such an interesting foil of someone who was so 
focused on getting her research out there that like she did some shady stuff well what did she talk about what was the analogy she told about like the space the rocket or whatever that crashed and the doctor said that the rocket performed perfectly it just landed in the wrong place yes like she just based on that scene i think it would be so interesting to have her be this like she's not evil for the sake of being evil but she's let her morals go to try and pursue this thing that she started to originally help people. And that would be such an interesting foil to Tony. Cause she still wants to help. people, Right. But like, they're both brilliant minds. They both created something that was intent. Like Tony used to say, but the weapons that like, well, the weapons have helped soldiers and like, they kept Americans right by killing the bad guys. But then he had to realize that like, but they're killing innocent innocent people it's still killing people like that is and he so the foil of like her not giving and i like like her crossing the line to achieve what she wants and versus tony giving up his weapons and and i feel like they showed that a little bit because then they have the whole conversation with tony can we talk about tony being zip tied to a bed frame (laughs) i just want to acknowledge it i found it amusing um, that that was what this giant, rich supervillain goes with. Bed frame. <laughs> a very old bed frame. Yes. Couldn't so, do better. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> right. They but, have but that they interaction. Alluded, but the, and they have, and they have yeah. that. Because, you but know, I Tony, just, t- Tony talks about, like, you've lost yours. Meanwhile, I got to wake up with someone who does have a soul. Right. Um, I just, that's why I think they're, t- her two scenes. I feel like that. They could have went either way with that. At that point, they could have made Maya the villain. That could have been the flip switched of, I don't have a soul anymore. Right. And then went with Killian. I think. Instead of being the sacrifice. Right. Like, it's just such a waste that she just gets killed off. Like, those two scenes, I think she has more interesting motivation than Mm -hmm. Killian does the whole film. There's more to dig into there. She's more of a contrast to Tony. And she's the brains. Killian was the wallet. Yeah. And but it he would has just, the ego. Like, imagine if you're thinking, oh, actually, Killian, it, it, it would be a double switch with the villain. But, like, if at that point she's like, yeah, I have no soul. And she, like, takes out Killian. And, and then, like, oh, yeah. But Killian wouldn't have died because he had extremists. Oh, yeah. But, well, you could rewrite it. But, <laughs> but it just, I think she would have been so cool to be the main villain. I think it was a waste to kill her character off then. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, and like I said, I don't think I could see her being like the standalone main villain, but I could totally. I could see, see. I could totally see it would have been a switch that because they had that conversation before Killian came down, mm-hmm. and I totally could have seen it would have been really cool if that conversation the flip switch and she's like I don't have a soul and Killian came down and they were like side by side. Yeah, and partners. Not I can't. I can see it working better with him like physically fighting Killian. Tony, so if you wanted, Tony wanted to fault Maya. Right. No you, matter what happened, right. he wanted to fault her. So it works better to have the big, like, fight at the end. We, mm-hmm. But, like, it works. It would have been so cool to have Killian, like you said, be the wallet to Maya's, like, plan. Well, that's what it was. But he has a big enough ego to convince himself that it was his idea and his plan the entire time. And I think that is part of uh, – it is a fault of his. Is he has too big of an ego yeah. to see it. Um. I was going to go somewhere, but I don't remember. <laughs> go ahead. But yeah, it's just, I think, I think, I just think Killian, as much as I like the switch with the Mandarin, mm-hmm. I like what, like, Killian, I like the idea of, like, oh, it's actually just someone using that, like, uh, racism and the, uh, the easiness, uh, the, mm-hmm. the tendency of the media to, like, the fear uh, villain the fear, fear and the fear of others it's fear and like that's yeah what it is. um i think that's a great idea i just think killian himself is kind of a weak villain compared yeah. to like especially compared to like obadiah stain like right. yeah he's just he's not as interesting and i think it'd be cooler to use maya i think that would have been a, a different film but a very very interesting one mm-hmm. i don't know if it i don't know how different it would have been because they could have kept playing it like that, where you just didn't know who was really the villain. Yeah. Um, I feel like if they did play it, it would have been that moment we're talking about. Right. That conversation would have been the switch to show if Maya was a good guy or a bad guy. Probably. So. But I still stand by, even if she was a villain, Tony wouldn't fight her. 
He won it. I don't know how I feel. I can see it going either way. He wouldn't fight her. And I know you can't compare it, but he wouldn't fight her like he fought Killian. He wouldn't do it. No. I guarantee it. He would have tried to use his words, not his armor. Yeah. So. But it would have been cool. On that note. On that note. You want to end it? Yeah, I I can't think of anything. I mean, I know I'm I'm sure I'll leave and have 20 more thoughts about Iron Man 3. Oh, always. <laughs> Better go home and watch it tonight. Yeah, for real. After dinner. All right. All right. Well, I will see you next time. Yes. Yeah. And see you later, everyone. Bye. That's it for this week, guys. Thanks for listening. And if you have any movie facts or questions you want to add, send us an email at moviesandmochas20 at gmail.com. Or if you have any movie suggestions you want to add to our list, let us know what you want us to talk about. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just look for the Movies and Mochas podcast. Have a great day, guys.